that's the misconception people have is that, oh my gosh, technology is going to replace me. And I really like to look at it like it really isn't going to replace you because this is a relationship business. We've learned that in the middle of this pandemic, we've learned that the relationship does matter, right? Um, You could automate a lot of things, but you can't automate that person to person. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. I'm your host, Bill Risser, General Manager of U.S. Sales and Marketing for Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform allowing you to leverage the power of your verified reviews. Listen in as I interview leaders in the industry, getting their backstories and their journey to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 265 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. We're headed to the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, East Bay, you know, that sort of part of the California, Northern California, to chat with Nina Dosange, who's with Vanguard Properties. She's the Director of Strategic Alliances and Technology. I love that title. We're going to talk about that. I've had a chance to meet Nina through the Inman you know, kind of community, and, and she's doing some really cool stuff. So let's get this thing started. Nina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Happy to be here. I am really excited to have you on here. I mean, I've I've gotten to know you um, a little bit over the last year or two, right, with our Inman connections and some yeah. other things as well. And we're going to talk about that. But people that listen to the show know I always like to start at the beginning, and that is, uh, I know you live in the Bay Area. Are you are you a native NorCal person? Or is that is that where you grew up? So generally, yeah, in Northern California. I grew up in a small town uh, in the Central Valley called Ceres, California. Um, that's where my uh, grandparents and parents live still to this day. So uh, the Bay Area was always appealing in terms of living in a big city. Uh, my grandfather immigrated to this country in the early 50s, and uh, San Francisco was the first place he landed. And it's just, it's it's one of those cities that has that kind of connection with me personally because of my grandfather's history. Uh, so, yeah. Were you closer to Bakersfield or Stockton? Um, am I close? Stockton. There? Okay. So yep. Definitely the northern yep. end of the Central Valley. Gotcha. Yes. Right. That helped. It helped. As a guy who grew up in San Diego, it helps me a little bit kind of picture, uh, you know, where that's at. So that's great. Right. Um, get, look, San Francisco, the, the whole Bay Area, it's an amazing place. Get, for someone who's lived there a long time, give me like the biggest misconception about San Franciscans or Bay Area folk. I think, you know, when uh, the news hasn't done us any favors, (laughs) I'll say that, but we are kind of forward thinking in the Bay Area and certain trends that, you know, other uh, cities or uh, states might look at as super progressive. Sometimes that's jarring for people and we are, we are a progressive city and sometimes that, that misconception is that, you know, everyone is, is the same level of progressive. And that, I think, is the biggest misconception is that there are so many varying degrees of progressiveness. Yeah, that's a California thing kind of through and through almost huh, for the whole state. But but I think there's a little special piece of that for the for uh, San Francisco and the, and the Bay Area. So that's cool. Um, really important question, probably the most important question of the uh, of the interview, uh, Nina. And that's going to be, <laughs> are the Warriors going to be able to overcome Clay Thompson's injury in 2021? Oh. Gosh, you know when Curry broke his <laughs> when Curry broke his hand, it was like okay, you know, gap year. Um, and you know, and now uh, with Clay's injury, it's just oh gosh, it's devastating. But 
you know, the Warriors are a scrappy team and you know, they've, they've come from behind in, in, in many ways. And so I think here in the Bay Area, uh, there are there are diehard fans that, you know, are, are hoping that you know, the Warriors make some moves to, to be able to bring in someone that obviously doesn't, you know, is not going to have Clay's ability, but you know, can fill in some of those gaps to still to still be an impactful team. His pull up threes, I mean, like running full speed and then just stop pop. I mean, he, he's, oh, that was just crushing. I'd, I was with a friend who was a, as a, a Golden State fan at the time and he let out this scream and I go, you all right? He goes, no. And he's looking at his phone. <laughs> it's, been, it's been really exciting to watch them over the last couple of years yeah. and really good for the Bay Area. And, yeah. you know, the new stadium is just absolutely beautiful and it's just first class and they deserve, the, the team deserves it and you know, the coaches deserve it. And it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a good ride. Yeah. So if, if they have to sit this one out for this year, then, you know, hey, let's see what happens next year. All right. I know you went to school in the Bay Area. Your first job out of college, was it real estate related or not? Yes. So um, I was a REO marketing manager for a real estate team in the East Bay. Okay. Um, and really, my role was to travel to real estate REO conferences. Foreclosures were really big in the you know early 2000s, um, and so that was kind of my role of you know going to these conferences and building relationships with uh, asset managers mm-hmm. and bringing that business back to back to the team. You went to Texas a few times. I'm just guessing. Is that where Five Star was? Yes, <laughs> Five Star. Oh gosh, uh, you know those terms. It's like this seems so long ago, but you know who knows? One day, one one day those might come back. Well, like, I, I think I think it's a huge advantage, right, for 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 you to have gone through that, especially you know if that was your introduction to the business. When when things if they do go back that way, and really ultimately they probably will in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully not to that level of of the right. session, but yeah, it's going to be no fear. You're just like bring it on, Equator. I know you. Of course, we can do this, right? Pivot, right? I mean, that's the that's the word of the year this year, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you have to know how to pivot, and I think um, that was a unique perspective for me to be able to understand the industry at at that point when it was just total collapse of yeah. of the financial market. So, yeah, that's cool. You you did you have a you had a little bit of time in the title world too, didn't you? I did. Yes. So uh, I was uh, an account executive in the in the East Bay, and that's kind of how I started in real estate in general. Right. Um, and I was in my early 20s, and it was a great job. It taught me a lot about the things that happen on the back end. Sometimes that deep dive that you don't get from, you know, just jumping right into the real estate side. It really was a perspective on, you know, what does title escrow mean? It's such a huge fundamental part of the transaction, and having that kind of perspective now uh, is, is is really nice. I also feel the pain of all of the account managers across the country who have to deal with all of us agents. That That is a, that is a pain I feel. <laughs> I, I try to tell people a couple of things about that. I was in the business for 20 years and I try to say a couple of things. One, life of an escrow officer is incredibly difficult. I mean, they it's so hard to do what they do well, right? And not yeah. Not let the agent know that they're they're closing twenty seven other deals that month, but they're only doing yours, right? It, That's it's right. Such a skill. And second, on the sales side of things and the business development side of things, 
you're not selling a widget or a tool or oh, rate my agent. You're selling service of somebody that you have no control over. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's tough. That's all. And that's tough. Yeah. You started in your career with Cobell Banker. So you went in, is that true? I mean, is that what you went it to? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was working as the REO marketing manager, I was at Cobell Banker. And when I got my license, it just made sense to stay there um, because I had already built the relationships. I had a great team that I was working with. I had moved to San Francisco at the time and I was kind of working both sides of the bridge. And, you know, Coldwell Banker allowed me to do that, right? Because they they were operating in, in both regions. Uh, and so I was kind of able to do business in, in both of those regions. And then the time came that uh, I needed to move on. There are a lot of people, I have friends that are still lifelong, you know, CB people, but those brokerages that really teach people the basics, they are such, that's so important, right? For so many people yes. to really get that knowledge base down. And then ultimately you, you, you kind of decide it's time to do something different, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a, a com- that I think Coldwell Banker did that really well. You know, they did have training programs and things to help agents kind of flourish. But I think that being a larger corporate company, it's a lot harder to move and shift and change in a marketplace that is moving faster than you might be, right? Um, And San Francisco was very much one of those marketplaces. Um, You have to move fast and break things is the Silicon Valley, right? Like that's the Facebook, right? And it's very much true. Companies work and operate that way here uh, in this region, particularly. And that's probably true for many of the metropolitan cities across the country. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, we're going to talk about Vanguard and the stuff you're doing there, which, you know, is what is, and there are plenty of of those types of brokerages, especially in the Bay Area, right? That are always trying something different or trying to, um, you know, just kind of just not not change the rules, but change the way people approach things. It's very, it's got to be super kind of cool to be a part of that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the guests on the podcast, as I look through their their history, um, volunteerism and giving back is like a big part of their um, career. And uh, and you are no slouch, Nina. (laughs) (laughs) You have a very, whether it was WCR or getting on an MLS committee or a board or on the association level, uh, you may have even done some stuff nationally. I I just don't know that yet. But um, talk to me about why that's so important for you. When I first got into the business, my manager at the time said to me, you have two things in this business. You have your time and your reputation. And you decide, you know, what those two things are going to mean for you. When I was involved in the title space, I was part of uh, an association uh, based association of realtors who had implemented a kind of leadership program uh, showing the importance of, you know, giving back and volunteering in this space and how important your voice was and that you could actually make an impact if you stepped up into a, a leadership role. And so I kind of learned that from from there. Uh, and I took that into my kind of real estate journey. Um, and I'm glad that I did. I think that I wouldn't be here today. Uh, I wouldn't know the people that I know across the country and have built the relationships there if I had not stepped up. And I think you know, you could say that it, it makes a career, but, you know, your relationships do. And I think in that at that level, it has, uh, for me, especially this year, uh, shown me how important that community has been because 
I was able to reach out to so many people, you know, when I was stuck or needed help with something. And I mean, it's not just the referrals. It's not just the business side of it. It's the, the personal connections you make with people and how invested they are in your success. It's just, it's really incredible. Yeah, you know, you know, we met as ambassadors through the Inman community, and that's another channel, right? Let's talk about how important that's been, because I know, I know, you've met some some people through that channel that have have brought you into some other places. Let's let's kind of go down that path. Yeah, Brad Inman is is you know obviously uh, one of my favorite people. So the Inman community is uh, a place where you really just can be yourself. You don't have to show up in that space as anybody but you. Yep. And that's a really special thing. And that's been true for the Inman community for as long as I've been a part of it. Um, and I'll say the first first Inman Connect that I went to, I'm just sitting sitting in the, you know, I'm a sit at the front kind of person. And I'm sitting there and, you know, in the first row, there's just everyone's like, what's your name? You know, who are you? Where? Tell me about yourself. I, I met Jim Wahlberg for the first time uh, on Inman Disconnect, the first disconnect in the in the Redwoods. And being able to, to, sh- to share personal things in our lives and being able to kind of cry together. There was no, I'd never met him before, but I was sitting there crying with him. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I think that there's this space in that Inman community where it's not about egos. It's just about come as who you are um, and let's just talk and share and build a community. And that's just been a really special thing for me. And it's especially this year. Yeah. Yeah. We, there've been a whole lot of zooming, you know, in our lives in, since March and, uh, and Inman's been a big part of that. <laughs> a lot of those nows and connects and all that great stuff. So been a lot of big part of the cocktails too. So. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. Happy hours. Uh, happy hours are, are awesome. So somehow we got to get you to Vanguard properties. So let's talk about that process. Was this, did you, um, was there something before or in between Coldwell Banker and Vanguard or how did this, how did this look? No. So I came from Cobalt Banker uh, and I joined a team here at Vanguard Properties in the Nolan Group. I'm still part of the team. And I think what I was really looking for at the time was a local independent brand. I think it was really important to me. Uh, Culture was really important. I had come from a big corporate company and didn't want that same thing over again. But really kind of what won me over, because at that time, there were a lot more independent companies, right? There, Paragon was still an independent company. Zephyr was still an independent company. And uh, Pack Union was still independent at that time. So there were quite a few independent players when I moved over to Vanguard. But I will say one of the you know, things that drew me to this company is, is really the leadership. Um, James Neunemacher and Frank Nolan are just incredible leaders. The company's been around for 30 some odd years. Uh, they really grow the talent from within. They're a unique, unique company. And for me, it was really important that the leadership actually sold real estate. So it's one of the few companies where a CEO and the president of the company actually have their own book of business. It's incredible to be able to learn from them and to, to collaborate at a level where they're, they're also across the table you know, talking to the same seller or the buyer, right? Um, and so that's a that's a unique perspective that I think is very unique to Vanguard. And look, as, as fast as things are changing today in our in the real estate space and the real estate world, to have to have those the hands-on leadership, that's a that's a big that's a big plus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love your title. 
strategic alliances, yeah, strategic <laughs> alliances and technology. So as well as being a member of a team, you're also part of the leadership now at Vanguard. Yeah. As you mentioned you grew from within, right? So that's yep. amazing. What does a typical day look like for you? So a lot of product demos. <laughs> sorry, sorry, um, sorry. We took some of your time up last week. Okay, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, love rate my agent. A lot of this is industry relationship building. Uh, I think uh, it's important for a company to know what's happening in the larger picture. Uh, it helps us stay alert to industry changes and, and things that we should be doing. Um, and so that's part of it. Uh, and then the technology piece is really you know, I come from, you know, have a unique uh, perspective in the sense that, uh, you know, I was MLS chair for the San Francisco Association of Realtors, and I was incredibly fortunate to have our CEO, Walt Bukowski, and our MLS director, J.P. Martin, really kind of fundamentally teach me the rope wow. yeah. to teach me about how data works in real estate. And, and I think uh, that has given me a unique perspective to be able to uh, look at technology tools and have the eye of the practitioner when I'm looking at the product. And so that really is kind of some of what I do on a typical day is kind of take a look at, at real estate products and see if they, if they make sense for, for the company and, and for our agents. I'm fascinated by the, when I've been in real estate now for 20 years, uh, all on the title side, except for the last couple months. And I am um, fascinated by the when you're a volunteer at the MLS, which you were, and, and you were the president of the MLS, you know, the, the actual association, yep. you're the president and there's a staff that is comprised of a CEO and some other C-level people that are taking care of that MLS, but they're kind of working under the direction of the executive committee and the board that changes right. annually or sometimes every two years. I just think that's such a but it's a you know I know that's the world of nonprofit, um, but it's so common in the world of real estate. So I'm sure there have been times, and I don't want to call out your particular MLS, but sure. there's another MLS where the president really isn't that tuned in and doesn't really want to learn a lot of tech. They must have been very excited when you were like, "Please show me what you guys do." Is that is it true? Yeah, I, I mean I'm sure, um, but I think it was because I was like, "Hey, I need to know how this works." Good. Right. If I'm going to chair this committee, I need to know, you know, what is the thought process? How 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 should I be making the decisions as president or as MLS chair uh, if I don't understand the mechanism? Yeah. Right. Um, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand some of this stuff. But what I will say is that in the years that I've been involved in the MLS world, those people in those positions that serve as directors of MLSs. Um, have an incredible job um, and do it very well under some pretty severe circumstances. And so for the volunteers out there, I think I would say, just be kind to those people. They're, they're doing a lot. They're doing a lot. Yeah. I mean, and that goes at the association level, at the local, I mean, like a local board, right? There's, a, there's, there's staff there that, that are doing their best to make sure they're facilitating and helping the volunteers, you know, make good decisions and help help grow the business for everybody. So that's just, yeah. it's fascinating to watch that. Uh, you know, we had a conversation last week. I, I want to bring this up that, that there's going to be a, a, a new MLS kind of set up in the Bay area. Can we talk about that? Yeah. So what you're talking about is the NorCal MLS Alliance and really what that's going to allow uh, 
us all to do is to be able to not have to kind of authenticate into someone else's MLS system. It'll allow our users the data in their home MLS so they can access pretty much most of the Northern California MLS data. I think this makes it a lot easier for vendors. It makes it a lot easier for the brokerages where they're not having to facilitate conversations with, you know, seven or 10 different MLSs. This is, this is something I think, you know, is happening more frequently across the country is where people are saying, look, we understand that Real estate no longer is a city by city or region by region. It has become a much larger sport where people are looking farther and farther out. And as we move into a different kind of new norm for our industry next year, uh, that's people are going to be moving with those considerations in mind. And I think we're going to see a lot of changes on the MLS data side. Yeah, I, we're seeing that too. I mean, uh, and it's you know, the consolidation. I mean, we're down to just, I don't know, 540 MLSs in the country. That number was 900 10 years ago or yeah. maybe less. Yeah. So and look, and I, and we both know Sam DeBoard very well up at Riso and the things they're doing to try to get this, these standards in place is such an important, it's got to happen for the business. It's really, really good work. The yeah. entire Riso team, they are just phenomenal. And Sam is is, you know, Sam knows what he's doing. So yeah. Um, yeah. we are in trusted hands, I think. Yeah. Other than he, you know, he supports UW and USC. I don't know how he does that, but it's weird. He, I think he went to both schools, but we'll, we'll, we'll let him. I mean, him. I just have seen him torture his children on Facebook this entire year and it's just been wonderful. <laughs> I love that. You're a techie. You like it. You like looking at new stuff. And I've done that a little bit of that as well in my role at Fidelity over the years, but technology, it can be good and it can be bad in the world of real estate. Is that a fair assessment? That, that would be, that would be fair. So let's talk about that. What are some of the, you know, what are some of the good and the bad? How does that work out? So look, I think, you know, there's a, first, there's a big fear of what technology does to real estate, right? I think that that, you know, that's the misconception people have is that, oh my gosh, technology is going to replace me. And I really like to look at it like it really isn't going to replace you because this is a relationship business. We've learned that in the middle of this pandemic, we've learned that the relationship does matter, right? Um, you could automate a lot of things, but you can't automate that person to person. So looking at technology in a way to enhance your day-to-day -day productivity is really how you should look at what real estate technology offers you in your business. I like to say that, you know, the, the bad parts of technology are really tied to the social media aspects of people just feeling like they can say whatever they want, whenever they want. And, you know, those are kind of the bad components. But there are a lot of people that are doing really good work in the real estate space to be able to help buyers and sellers and agents be more transparent and do their jobs better. And it's, I mean, I, I see these demos day in and day out. These people are passionate about the products that they have to offer. And I think, you know, as agents, we really need to be uh, open about what really, what tools are going to really service us. And they're going to be the tools that you use. If you are sold 10 technology products and you don't log into them, not even once, right? Yeah. It's not going to help you. The, the nine hours you spent on 
setting things up for yourself, it's just not going to work. So you actually have to work in the products that you, you know, are going to utilize for your business. And so that I think is the the good and the bad is that, you know, sometimes there can just be too, too much technology. And I think not everybody has to use everything, right? Use what works for you. Yeah. I mean, that's, isn't that part of your role? At Vanguard Properties, yeah. you you get to have those conversations with it's, it's roughly 400 agents, right? That's right. To, to be able to say, hey, we looked at this and we like this. Take a peek at this. But I bet you yeah, there have been times you've had conversations with an agent or, or a, a team and said, I don't know if that's really for you. Yeah, I think from a brokerage level, you have to think about, you know, is it a one size fits all? Yeah. Right. Because when you implement something at a brokerage level, you do have to think about that. Right. Like, how does this apply to every single one of your agents? Um, but I think that if you give an agent the, the basic tools to fundamentally be successful, it doesn't matter what that stack of tools looks like. If that agent is taught how to utilize them to, you know, create some efficiencies in their business. And I think that that's really fundamentally what technology should be used for and what, you know, a company stack should look like. It, it, it doesn't have to be the, you know, the A plus of every single product, right? Yeah. Because you're just never going to get that. Not There's not going to be a brokerage that can achieve that, right? For every single agent. Um, but there all are tools that are basic tools that allow agents the opportunity to build a better business. Yeah. Nina, it's it's late on a Friday, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get you out of here. So I'm gonna ask you, you. Well, the, the last question I've asked every guest since Jay Thompson back in episode one, uh, and that's what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting in the business? Oh gosh, uh, I'm really gonna say to set up systems and set them up early, hmm. because you know if you take the time to do that from the beginning everything else will fall into place. You really do have to have a system because it's really easy to get lost in the day-to-day and do a lot without really doing a lot. <laughs> so, so, you know, set up the system, time block, and create a, a program for yourself that you're going to stick with because it's, you wake up every day unemployed. That's, you know, another thing an old manager used to tell me is that as a realtor, you wake up every day unemployed. So... For new agents, I think that's really important to put systems in place. I I couldn't agree more. There's nothing worse than the phrase, I got to go clean up my database. Why didn't you just start working it fresh right from the beginning? Yeah. Isn't a database something you work on every day? Every day. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Nina, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, Nina at VanguardSF.com. Easy, easy, easy. Thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. This has just been a pleasure. You know, you are one of my faves and and to have some one-on-one time with you has just been wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the realestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released.